The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited double miles on every purchase every day. What's in your wallet? Show is flying today in a Monday deal where we have all the coaching stuff from college football, the Tennessee story in itself. We could have done maybe the first hour on it. We'll do more on that a little bit later. Hogan McFarland's going to join us. Bruce Feldman as well. Feldman's all over this to the point where maybe the athletic director, John Curry at, at Tennessee, could be in trouble too. So if anything further happens today, we'll let you know in the aftermath of the, she, uh, the Greg Shiano debacle. Today, though, Amazon Cyber Monday with Will Kane. Free shipping on millions of items with eligible orders over $25. Check out Amazon for great deals today only. Saturday, though, was the actual football. Saturday was Auburn beating Alabama at home. So Auburn taking care of number ones in the same month. And now you go, what do you do with Auburn? What do you do if Ohio State beats Wisconsin, the Big Ten championship game, which I'm less and less convinced of the more I watch Ohio State? What do you do with Alabama? What do you do with Georgia? So I think it's right now, like which direction do you want to go here? Did you put together rankings? Yeah, well, let's do this. I think – in a world of what-ifs and hypothetical situations, we know, I think, with certainty, one scenario. And that is that the ACC champion will go. Yeah. The SEC champion will go. I I would think so, even with Auburn's two losses. Yes. Yeah, I know what you're hesitating on. I mean, I know that last year they took Ohio State over Penn State. Penn State, Big Ten champion, Ohio State didn't even win their division, right? And that would seemingly argue, yeah, and that would seemingly argue Alabama over Auburn if you just applied it exactly the same this year. But I don't think it's going to happen. You don't think that's going to happen. Auburn's in if they win the SEC. Georgia's in if no, they win the SEC. because Penn State got smashed by Michigan and lost to a Pitt team where right. Auburn's losses. You go, okay, it's, right. it's two ranked teams, and one of them's maybe the number one team in the country now in Clemson. Yep. Same scenario, different characters. Um, all right, so ACC champions in, SEC champions in, OU's in if they went out, and Wisconsin's in if they went out. That's your four playoff teams if everything holds. Totally agree. I, I have a hard time. I would love to find a way to keep the Pac-12 alive in this discussion. I feel like it's such an afterthought for, what, a month and a half here? But now that you have Notre Dame losing to Stanford, if you want to play the connect the dots thing, you go USC goes up to South Bend and just gets it handed to them. So they'll win the Pac-12. I just This is where public perception comes into play here, where it helps and it hurts you. We can sit there and act like the committee does not look at conferences at all, the strength of con- How can you avoid it? How do you do the job and avoid thinking, so having some inherent belief about what a conference is or isn't? And for the Pac-12, it worked, it worked against them all season long. But I don't think they're dead because here's where these scenarios in the debate starts. Let's say Oklahoma loses the Big 12 champion game, championship game to TCU and or Wisconsin loses the Big 10 championship game to Ohio State. Then you arrive at a place where you have one or two spots open, and the debate will be between these teams, in my estimation. Again, assuming form holds. Pac-12 champion USC with two losses. Big Ten champion Ohio State with two losses. Big 12 TCU champion with two losses. And one loss Alabama. Four teams, two spots. Okay, so go over it again. Bama. TCU. TCU. Ohio State. Ohio State. USC. That's assuming those three teams win their championship. USC is going to be tough. It's going to be really tough, even though I would love to find a way to give them credit for not only playing the nine conference games, but two out-of-conference games where they play Texas and Notre Dame. But I believe they have the strongest strength of schedule, Ryan. I mean, I think if in a blind taste test, I saw them do this on the 
College Football Playoff Committee selection show last week, USC has the most impressive resume if you take the logos off and don't watch the product on the field. Just sheer strength of schedule and big victories. And that's giving them a win against Stanford in the Pac-12 championship game. Okay, they're they're in play. TCU's probably not going to be in play. I think I agree with that. Even if they win the Big 12, they're going to lose a debate, for example, to Alabama. One loss Alabama. Lost to Iowa State, not as bad because Iowa State ended up having, you know, an okay season. It wasn't Iowa State that we usually expect. And then, you know, Oklahoma put it on them. Plus, they're not a blue blood. They'll be debated against blue bloods like Ohio State and Alabama. Here's the thing. I think I would cross off Ohio State on this scenario first of any of the four teams. I think I would too, but I know that you and I do not think like the committee on this. That Iowa well, what, loss? What's the, what's the argument for Penn State? Or excuse me, Iowa State. Or, Iowa State, Ohio State, the Buckeyes. So I already know what will happen. You go, oh, wait a minute, we beat, you know, number two at the time, Penn State. You'll have beaten a top five team in Wisconsin right. if you beat them. Okay? Right. And when I watch Ohio State, this is this. it took me, what, 12 games? When the other team isn't any good, you guys look like the Warriors. But when it's kind of a good team, JT Barrett, other than that stretch in the second half against Penn State, he's the same. He was terrible against Michigan. He was terrible in that Michigan game, and Michigan just terrible? doesn't have a shot. Are you serious? Terrible? He threw for like 30 yards before he Did got Did they get replaced. credit for their backup quarterback playing well? Um, do you think Haskins played that well? <clears throat> I think he played pretty well, yeah. I, I think people look at him as a freshman. He had that one run that got him towards the end zone. I mean, I know he hit on most of his passes, but I, just, what, I, I don't think I would eliminate Ohio State before because there's no world where I would see Alabama going to Kinnick and giving up 55 to Iowa. I don't care what you want to say about Alabama. I don't care about their schedule. In no scenario do I believe or will you ever convince me that they go play the Hawkeyes and let that team put a 55 on them. Totally agree. That loss disqualifies Ohio State in this debate for me. My choices on who I would put in would be Alabama and USC. But I think what the committee will do would put in Alabama and Ohio State. Well, are they wrong to put in Alabama? With two spots open, do you take a one-loss Alabama over any of these two-loss conference champions? And I think you're going to have a hard time convincing people Bama's not the, forget the deserve part, better team than TCU. And Bama's resume does not hold up in the debate. It just simply doesn't. You have to rely on, I've seen things on the field, and they look better to me. They have no big victories. Mississippi State is their only big victory. Miss Alabama's actual argument is weak. But it's A, Alabama. They're a blue blood with a big brand, and they have been impressive on the field at various times this season. I don't think it's wrong to just go, hey, I think Alabama's one of the four best teams. And that is if Wisconsin loses. Okay. Right. And, you know, if TCU's in there against Alabama, TCU's going to lose the argument because guess what? I mean, we're, st- we're talking about teams with two losses versus one loss Alabama. If you're telling me that Alabama isn't that good because you just have watched them and you don't think they're that good, then I would listen to you. If you're going to tell me, well, it's because their resume doesn't stack like up like others, each week is different. I am always so surprised, Will, of guys that played this game, how how rarely they reference how different a team can be. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Are they different now than they were the first month of the season? Absolutely. You know, would you Night rather, and day. Would you rather play the Pats next week or in September? September. Okay, they are a different team. This is this moving, living, breathing thing. And it's the same thing in college football. 
And in college football, Florida State, when they were number three in the country, maybe even overrated in week one at number three, that was an entirely different team with DeAndre Francois that Alabama absolutely dominated. And you want to tell me that Florida State was always going to be as bad as they ended up being? I don't know how that happens. It's a Florida State team that has national championship aspirations that loses their quarterback, and then they start to stink, and they go, we're out. This isn't even fun anymore. And then they fought a little bit more at the end of the season. You know, who is Ohio State? Like, if you beat Ohio State, is that a great win? Yeah, it's a pretty talented. It's probably one of the foremost talented teams in college football. But depending on when you get Ohio State, they are different. Everybody that wants to make fun of the LSU win for, like, if you don't like Alabama, you go, oh, the LSU win, who cares? They lost to Troy. Do you honestly think watching LSU the last few weeks is the same team that lost to Troy? I do not. So I don't think you can always say some of these teams are consistent throughout, but a lot of them aren't. Hey, Las Vegas still has their odds on favorite to win the college football playoffs is Alabama at four to one. Clemson is second or tied at four to one. Oklahoma third. No, I'm sorry, Oklahoma tied as well. All three of those are four to one. It's worth mentioning UCF is three hundred to one. I do think, Ryan, at some point, when you're debating two lost conference champions, you might consider the one undefeated team out there. I get it. They haven't beaten anybody. SMU and Memphis don't count. I'm just saying we're down to two losses in the debate. Two. I would need seven losses (laughs) before I'd want UCF playing for a national championship. I want eight teams so we don't have to have that. (laughs) problem. <laughs> all right, coming up next, the Rosilla Show with Will Kane reminding you to listen to all three hours of show on your phone, on your ESPN app. Bruce Feldman on the Tennessee fallout. Could the AD be out? And what's going to happen with Sumlin? What's going to happen with Jimbo? So we're going to get as many of these things in with Feldman as we can. Talk some college ball. That's next on ESPN Radio. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on homeowner's insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you build a giant pillow fort in your living room. And when people ask why you have a pillow fort in your living room, you say it's for your dog. And when they ask, well, what kind? You say, "Mm, chocolate lab. And we have a web of lies that's almost as intricate as the crown molding and fort pillow. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the pillow soft fortress you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on homeowner's insurance. We have first take tomorrow. You and I are doing first take together. Yeah, how about that? I know. You feel like you might see a different side of me. You're like, this is not Rosillo Kane. This is a different Kane right here. Yeah, I could <laughs> see a little, uh, you're in my house now. I'm the captain. <laughs> I could definitely see you're that. You're going to see it in my eyes. You're going to be across the table and you're like, he's not looking at me. Like, he looks at me in the radio. No, studio. no. Like, his comfort level's here. He's like, I'm going to get Rosillo because I don't have to wait on him. I'm going to be ready. I'm going to have to be extra ready. I don't even know what we're doing. Maybe I'm going to call you names. White House press secretary. 
She she sent out a nice Facebook post. She was in on Tennessee. Yeah. Did you see that? We're talking about Huckabee Sanders yeah. here. She she's like, hey, did you see who Tennessee hired as a new coach? I, is she a vol? I didn't even know that. No, she was like dissing him. Well, I know. I thought she was part of the disgruntled fan base and why she got in on that debate. No, no. It was I'm just going to throw shade at you while I'm also working out of the White House. Wow. I know. I just read it. It was like, come on. All right. Uh, Bruce Feldman, Sports Illustrated, SI.com, and also Fox Sports on the TV side of things at college football on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Man, I don't even know where to start. Let's just start with Tennessee. Uh, how did this happen? How bad was it? What's the weirdest stuff you've heard out of Knoxville? Okay, well, you know what's crazy is on Wednesday, uh, I had reported that it was a very real possibility Tennessee was going to hire Greg Schiano. So at that point, you know, you're starting to think, all right, they're going to get a big disappointment because all these fans who are hoping for John Gruden and thinking that John Gruden was going to was going to swoop right in and save the day. Well, not only are you not getting him, you're not getting Dan Mullen and some of these other guys they thought, and then it really escalated over the weekend. Um, you know, at some point yesterday, late morning, I remember talking to somebody, uh, a source who had said, this is far along to the point where they're in extensive talks. They're talking about transitional stuff, meaning does he coach the uh, Urban Meyer wants him, wants Greg Schiano to coach in the Big Ten title game this weekend. So when you're at that level, you know, the deal is almost done. Uh, they were planning on making an announcement within the next 24 hours. And then it just got sideways. I had somebody call me and said, this thing is, is looks like it's breaking apart. Then I spoke to another person who's, who's uh, inside Tennessee who said, they've already talked exit strategy. The paperwork has already been in progress. And I was like, wait, so you know, they had already signed these MOUs, which, you know, you have any, any big deal. So how do you get out of this? You know, and it's just, it's just surreal to see what happened. And it's gotten so bad. And this person was like, tell me, he's like, this is so bad. It is just toxic right now. Um, so we fast forward, whatever, 12 hours. And there's a lot of pressure now that, that some of the Tennessee fan base feels like, and I'm talking about not just, not just average fans. I'm talking about like fat cat boosters, politicians have leaned into this and feel like, okay, we've, we've blocked, we've undone the Greg Schiano hire. Now they want to get rid of John Curry, the AD there who was going to hire Greg Schiano and had hired Greg Schiano. And so it's that messy where they feel like, Hey, we've gotten one scalp. Let's get another. Uh, and we're going to see what's going to be because right now, if you're if you're somebody who they're looking, what your plan B is, there's a lot of coaches who are going to go. I don't think I want to deal with this. You know, why would you want to deal with this? So, you know, from what I heard this morning was they are seriously considering T. Martin, USC offensive coordinator, led them to a national title after Peyton Manning left as a quarterback. I was told that he has a legit shot at getting the head coaching job now. Uh, okay, does that mean with Curry in place as AD, and what, what else if not T? I don't know. You know, right now it's it's there's some legal like entanglements because they're gonna have to pay him pay Shiano some money here. And what happens if Greg Shiano decides wants to sue for defamation? Wow. You know, what kind of case could he have legally? Because this is a massive distraction, or could be if you're Urban Meyer and you're the Ohio State Buckeyes saying this thing just blew up and how did you guys handle this and everything else? And if you're Tennessee, do you want your former AD who you fired to be getting deposed and talking about all this stuff? Cause that could make them more exposed legally. So it's a really, it's a really fluid dynamic. And like I said, you have a lot of like 
you have a lot of, quite honestly, volatile, big-money people who have now gotten engaged in this. Meanwhile, Bruce, there's, I don't know, half a dozen other big programs across the nation that are looking for coaches. But before we kind of play the coaching carousel on that, let me ask you this. Has this entire incident killed Greg Schiano's hopes of getting a job anywhere or just at Tennessee? My guess is it, it, it hasn't because when people look at the facts of this, you know, there wasn't – this was something that was brought up a couple of years ago back in July – think of not this past year, but the year before that. And Ohio State had given a statement how they had vetted it. And it was really kind of third-party discussion that never seemed to have gone anywhere as it related to that. Now, if next year Illinois is looking for a head coach and they try to hire Greg Schiano, is this going to be an issue that draws protests? I find it hard to believe that. I, I can't believe it got to this point. So my instinct is no, that it wouldn't be this way. But and and if that's the case, if what you're saying, Will, there's some validity to it, then I wouldn't be surprised if Greg Schiano would be suing for defamation because of how this thing escalated into the into the grease fire that it was. Right. I so, think we're well beyond it. I don't know. You never say never at this point in this day and age of craziness in social media. I just heard some of the stuff you guys were saying before I count, came on about the people talking about this. It's nuts that right. it went that it got to this point. Yeah. Perception is driving everything right now. Um, uh Jimbo, oh, Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher, right, what's yeah. going to happen with Florida State? What does that mean for A&M? That, hey, look, Scott Woodward's the the AD at A&M. He worked with Jimbo Fisher back when they were both at at LSU when Nick Saban was the head coach there. I He's going to take a huge swing or taking a huge swing to try and, try and land Jimbo because if he doesn't, I don't know what else plan B he's going to have. You know, you can't roll in with Chad Morris there or – or somebody else who's got you know a, a 500 record, and go up against Nick Saban and the SEC, you know. So they must feel really, really confident that their big money offer is going to be enough to get him out of there and and move forward, and it's going to be a done deal. But I don't know at this point. I don't know. You know, you just hear a lot of a lot of both both sides. You just don't know what to believe. I mean, and and I guess I'll I'll believe it when I see it. Um, given the craziness we've just had, I mean, I don't, I don't know what Jimbo Fisher really wants to do. He could have left to go to be the, be the head coach at LSU where he has some connections. Maybe he didn't feel confident enough in the AD there that he feels that way about Scott Woodward. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic in college station to say the least. Okay. And lastly, Scott Frost, where's he going to end up? I think he's going to end up in Nebraska. What I had heard the other day was that Nebraska had approved uh, a deal that would be, I think, for uh, over $5 million a year for him uh, for seven years. And if he's not the head coach at Florida, um, I don't see why he would turn that down, short of if Florida State comes open and does that give him something to think about. I mean, because I, you know, I've always heard that he felt like his heart was in Lincoln. That's where he's from. Good relationship with Tom Osborne. It's just a matter of he's going to have some options. Is he going to is he going to jump there, or could some other thing block him from doing that? Because some other job that he just may be more intrigued by. We're talking about Bruce Feldman. Okay, so I, I guess I keep going here. But what's up with Sumlin then? I don't know at this point what his next move is going to be. Obviously, Arizona State is open. Remember, he passed on that job six years ago. From what I'd heard, the president of ASU was not was pretty irked by that. So I don't know if, if he gets back in play there. I know that there's some other candidates that they're vetting now, like literally today, 
the AD there, Ray Anderson, you know, has Stanford tied up guy. He gave a really odd press conference, to be honest. It would have been a lot more odd if everything that went down with Tennessee didn't happen the same day. Uh, so what's so what do they want to do? You know, you got Chip Kelly's now in the same division. I'm sure that there's a lot of ASU folks saying, hey, we should have rushed and tried to get Chip Kelly if we're going to spend all Because they're both, both ASU and UCLA spent a fortune on their buyouts to get rid of their guys. Um, you know, I don't know which direction they're going, but I don't think it's, a, it's, no, it's definitely not a slam dunk that Kevin Sumlin's going to end up there. All right. Bruce, great stuff, Thanks, man. Bruce. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Uh, you can follow uh, Bruce Feldman on Twitter. Just Google it. I don't know the handle off the top of my head. He's on the Shell Pennzoil performance <laughs> line. Get instant gold status at Shell. Join the Fuel Rewards program now at fuelrewards.com slash gold. Booger McFarlane on all of this stuff. Keep the college football topic going here on the Rosillo Show at CSPN Radio. Nobody's got to stop me. No, nothing is beyond me. I'm coming at you faster. No stopping what now that Human Resources VP Meg Ward has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, she's totally owning it at work. She even has her own hype song. I'm going to blow it up now. My workforce is really diverse. You know, different hours, different skill sets, different pay grades. We're motivating and engaging the right people every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. More NFL with Tim Hasselbeck. We'll get our thoughts that we opened the show with Will Kane today on what happened in Knoxville yesterday. Greg Schiano out before he was ever really in. But Booger McFarland joins us now. Brought to you by Goodyear. Tires as hardworking as college football's most blimp-worthy athletes. Goodyear, official sponsor of the college football playoff. All right, Booger, we all know what happened yesterday. What do you think led to Shiano being announced and then not being the head coach of the Tennessee Vols? Oh, well, I think he's the guy that they finally settled on after Dan Mullen went to Florida. Um, after, I guess, they took a look at Matt Campbell from Iowa State. They weren't too thrilled about him. Uh, and I think they circled back to Greg Schiano and said, yep, this is the guy we want. And somehow he got leaked. And, and then everybody just kind of went crazy. And, and, you know, they allowed hearsay and third, fourth party hearsay to kind of determine a guy's future. And, and to me, um, I mean, I, I don't know Greg Schiano personally. I've met him a couple of times, talked to him a couple of times. But I, I just hope that I never get in a situation or you guys never get in a situation where, uh, people will allow hearsay to determine uh, my fate when it comes to employment that I want or maybe even deserve. So you, you were really upset about it, though, this morning, correct? I mean, this is... Yeah, I, I mean, Ryan, I mean, this really bothers me on a couple of levels. Number one, Tennessee thinks way too much of Tennessee right now. And basically, in my opinion, the reason for the uproar is not because they have uh, facts about what Greg Schiano did, because there are no facts. Uh, go read Dan Wetzel, who's a, a, a very, a very good journalist and covered the whole Penn State deal top to bottom, and, and, and I trust Dan Wetzel, uh, among others. And I think when you look at it, they allowed uh, their disdain or their disappointment in not getting John Gruden or not getting a big name or a splash name 
they allowed that to determine how they viewed Greg Schiano. And because of their disappointment, they said, you know what, we don't want him. Oh, oh, he was uh, connected to Penn State. Yeah, we don't. Let's jump on the moral clause. Get him out of here. And they just jumped on that. And most of the Tennessee fan base, they have no idea what happened. They they don't. They haven't read the articles. They don't know about Greg Schiano. They just know that he wasn't good enough for Tennessee. And I got news for everybody in Tennessee: your program isn't what you thought it was. Okay, if that's the case, Dan Mullen would have went there. If that's the case, Scott Frost will be lining up to go there. And it just bothered me that some of these programs, more importantly, these fan bases, they will hold themselves so high on the totem pole, not realizing, yeah, okay, he wasn't John Gruden. But Greg Schiano comes highly recommended from Urban Meyer, Bill Belichick, as a good football coach. And guess what? You need a good football coach based on what I've seen on the field over the last season. Yeah, Booger, I mean, I don't care how Tennessee sees themselves. I don't care if they have an overinflated sense of who they are. I don't care if they didn't like Greg Schiano as their hire. It's okay with me if they're disappointed, but there's just nothing scarier in the world, and I think we share this when I just listened to you. There's just nothing scarier in the world than a mindless mob armed with an accusation or a rumor. But uh, I want to move on. I want to ask you this, okay? So Ryan and I agree to this premise. I think you'll agree with it, too. ACC champion, in. SEC champion, in. OU and Wisconsin, if they win, in. The chaos starts if OU and Wisconsin and or Wisconsin lose their championship game. If that happens, Booger, who fills those two open spots first? You'll have three two-loss conference champions and Alabama vying for those two spots. Who would it be? Well, I I think in that scenario, what I would say is, you're right, the SEC and ACC winners are in. Then I think it comes down to a eye contest slash resume contest. Uh, if TCU upsets Oklahoma, Ohio State wins the Big Ten. Uh, I think Ohio State and I think uh, Alabama would get in in that scenario. Scenario. I think those two teams would, would fill those two spots and you would have SEC, ACC, Bama, Ohio State in the playoff. Let's just say Oklahoma wins because I think this is the more, um, you know, this is, this is the scenario that we expect, the more expected scenario. Oklahoma, both race TCU. They'll probably they'll probably beat them. I don't know if they'll beat them the same way this time. I think they're going to be favored. Ohio State's favored over Wisconsin. So if Ohio State beats Wisconsin, now you have Oklahoma in, you have SEC champion, you have ACC champion, you have Ohio State and Bama and USC if they win the Pac-12, um, basically vying for one spot. And in that scenario, I think the committee is going to say, you know what, we don't value the Pac-12 maybe as some of you guys do. So I think USC would be out. Then it would come down to Ohio State and Alabama. And even if Ohio State has the conference championship, the committee only looks at conference championships and head-to-head when they deem the two teams equal. And so I would just ask you guys, is a one-loss Bama equal to a two-loss Ohio State? And in my opinion, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. So therefore, in that scenario, I would put Bama in with one loss even over two-loss conference champ Ohio State. I don't know how anybody could be fair about this. Watch those two teams play all season long and put in a two-loss Ohio State over one-loss Alabama. Well, to be so clear. So, Booger and I agree. But I agree with you guys as well. If I were on the selection committee, I would vote Alabama. But I think that it's not a weak point to point out. Bama has beaten nobody. Their resume, just on paper, except for that two losses versus one loss, 
Ohio State wins that in every other analysis. All right, but we all are doing whatever we want to do to come up with our four if we have the chaos that you're proposing. Mm-hmm. So if somebody tells me, I think Ohio State is better and they have a better resume with the extra loss, then I go, okay, we're just going to disagree. I think Alabama is a better football team. And Booger, my point on Alabama was this. We can do all sorts of hypotheticals. There's no way Alabama would ever go to Kinnick and give up 55 to Iowa. No way. Hey, listen, I, I completely agree with you uh, with that. And then, Will, the one thing that nobody wants to hear that the 13-person selection committee is going to deal with, and that's the two words everybody hates, eye test. And I think when you when you look at the five coaches in the room, they're going to ask themselves, who's a better team, mm-hmm. Alabama or Ohio State? And I guarantee you all five coaches are going to side with Alabama. And to me, those coaches are going to carry a lot of weight. So if Oklahoma wins, uh, they're in. If Ohio State beats Wisconsin, which a lot of people are going to have them favored to, then it's going to come down to what we're talking about now. And I guarantee I'm not going to guarantee you, but I, I highly, uh, it, it's highly likely that Bama will get in over Ohio State. Thanks, Booger. Really great stuff Thank this you. weekend. Thanks, man. Later. All right. Booger McFarlane, The Rosillo Show with Will Kane, brought to you by Upside.com, giving all business travelers the gift of a better travel experience this holiday season. Upside.com. Will Kane wants a coach fired, and it's not Greg Schiano. That's next on ESPN Radio. <laughs> and now another edition of Obvious News from Geico. Obvious News! Experts now say that wearing more clothes in the winter will, in fact, help you be warmer. We asked cold victim Trent Patterson about this, and here's what he said. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. I, I was a little cold, put on a sweater, then wasn't cold. I was like, what? Also in obvious news, Geico makes it easy to save money and easy to reach them with licensed agents available around the clock. So switching is a really smart decision. That's obvious news from Geico. I felt like Thursday and Friday were tough days for you. The Dallas Cowboys effort, not what you would hope for against the Chargers. Although keep tweeting us about the no holding calls because that's the real issue. It's an issue. It's not the issue. It's an issue. And then 33 see, straight quarters. Yeah. No holding calls on the opponent in 33 straight quarters. But you, What's up, Roger? You have been outscored 27-7, 37-9, and 28-6. Phillip Rivers looked like Tom Brady's dad okay. against you guys. All right. And then your Longhorns blow that lead to Duke. Man, it was a rough sports weekend. That was that was a tough 48 hours to you. But where are Don't you forget, at? Don't forget, then Texas Tech comes back on Texas. Yeah. Up by 10 with like three minutes to go. The funny thing is about all of those. I, mean, I was thinking ca- about you the whole weekend. Just L after L after L. And then Texas lost again yesterday to Gonzaga. College basketball. PK-80. At least that one was early. Right? It was It was. They over. came back. No, they came back. Made it like a three-point game. Oh, Two-point game. Yeah. yeah. Came back. So, you got Tim Hassel back in the bullpen. And last week you guys ganged up on me. So, I'm going to have to. I'm not sure how hard to walk this out there. But I only know one way. <laughs> Man, I think Jason Garrett's run his course in Dallas. Okay, I'm not going to start a Greg Schiano petition. But it's just not working out, man. <laughs> we're like eight years into this thing. We're really 500. I understand we're one year away from Coach of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Coach of the Year in the NBA also, like in parentheses underneath, should have said most likely to be fired. That's how it works in the English Premier League, too, in soccer. I mean, like, you win everything one year, next year you're gone. Here's the thing. On every level, Jason Garrett is failing as the Dallas Cowboys coach by his own standards. Let me just lay them out for you. First of all, he says, what we do in Dallas is we hire the right kind of guy. RKGs, right kind of guys. Well, I think we lead the league in suspended players. When David Irving, 
to Tank Lawrence to Ezekiel Elliott. Your defensive line. I can keep going. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even have to do this. At some point, I feel like every one of your front seven has been missing. It's, well, yeah, uh, that's uh, Irving, Lawrence. It was DeMontre Moore. There's more, I'm sure. There's other names, and they weren't like big time. It would be piling on to be like, oh, there were seven defensive ends. You go, yeah, well, three of them are never going to play. But right, Okay, anyway, so if we're on. not doing right kind of guy, at least we're instilling like a system, right? Next man up type philosophy, Belichickian type deal. Well, how's that working out for you? I mean, you got Zeke Elliott out. Alfred Morris is actually averaging five yards a carry, and yet the run game has somehow gone to the crapper. Sean Lee's out. And apparently he needs a gold jacket right now because when he's out, the entire defense falls apart. It's unbelievable. Like, how can they not figure it out? How can they? And was it Hitchens slides over, plays? Yeah, Hitchens his, is, and Hitchens and can Hitchens actually is, play. Right. I mean, so, but when they show those Sean Lee numbers, it's absurd. It's they're a completely different team. That's coaching to me. If you can't survive the loss of one player, which by the way, the Patriots win without Tom Brady. The Eagles lose without their middle linebacker, their left t- left tackle. Everybody loses. Yeah, the Pats, everybody wins with them. They lose some players. The Pats would never under Belichick. And granted, we're going up against the the all time standard here, if that's what you're asking for. But the Pats could lose their best defensive player. Hell, they traded away some of their best edge guys, and they still won a Super Bowl. Right. And there's no way that there would be some stat where when they were missing Mayo, that they would be a completely different team, or it wouldn't carry over by like twenty five points. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Now, look, and I'm sure, as I say, when Gerard Mayo was out, there was probably some kind of number. They'll tell me they were a little bit different, but they they just wouldn't. But I don't even know if that's fair. That's not even what you're looking for. Oh, okay. You're not looking that's for Belichick. Okay, system. You can't compare everybody to Belichick is my point. Okay, I shouldn't have done it, and I helped you out and went too far. All right, we're not doing right kind of guy. We're not doing next man up system. Maybe it's culture. Maybe we're just – what we do is we give 100% effort on every play. Really? Is that what we've been doing? Is that what happens when Keenan Allen catches like a 43-yard pass, zigzags between five defenders? You're going to tell me that was bad. E- everybody was trying on that play? So you want somebody else in there. Who do you want? I'm just saying. Type? Also, by the way, my fourth point, don't make adjustments. Ever. Ever. Don't make adjustments. Don't make adjustments. Hey, we are who we are. I hear Greg Shiano's free. <laughs> I don't know, man. You, know, you really want to know what I've been thinking, what Rudin? I've been toying with? Mm-mm. Another guy in the media. Hmm. Taylor Twelman. Gruden competitor. John Dilfer. Gruden competitor. Uh, Chris Collinsworth? Closer. Wait a minute. You can do this. Romo? What? He's free? Tony? You want Romo to be the head coach? Well, now we're talking. Tell me more about this idea. <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. It's happened in the NBA a lot. Doc Rivers went right to it. Mark Jackson just waited it, waited it out, went right for it. Um, Jason Kidd, Derek Fisher was like, ah, I don't want to sign another deal. I'll go be paid one of the highest salaries in NBA history as a as a head coach. I'll go do that. It hasn't. Deion Sanders, I think, ten years ago was like, Why can't I hit, be the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons? There's no way Jason Witten's actually going to get the Tennessee Balls job. That that would seem insane. He needs but to be there for Tony. Do you think? <laughs> Do you think a guy that could go from right from playing to being an NFL head coach? I actually don't think it's as crazy as everybody would probably dismiss it as. Yeah, the first one's always the craziest. Yeah. Sean McVay's 32. I mean, let's talk about experience. Yeah, but at least he has been coaching. Well, Tony's been playing. And he's from the Mac. So. Tony's been playing. So you would be in favor of Garrett being fired and Romo being hired as the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. So pumped. So pumped. I forget. And by the way, how he, excited you get sometimes. And by the way, he's got the one thing you need to be successful as the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. 
Jerry Jones' ear. That would be the all-time get back at a dude because I don't think Romo and Garrett were exactly no. on the best of terms towards the end. We'll ask Tim Hasselbeck about that insane theory next on ESPN Radio.